Hey, amazing people, August here. I just wanted to let you know quickly before the show starts that I did the interview for today on location and ran into some technical difficulties about 37 minutes in. So you're going to hear the conversation jump. Don't worry, it's nothing that you missed that's in the episode. It's simply the portion that we cut out so that you could get as much of the conversation as possible. Thank you so much for understanding and I hope you enjoy the show. My name is August McLaughlin. And I've been contemplating Girl Boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. You may not always have a comfortable life, and you will not always be able to solve all of the world's problems at once, but don't ever underestimate the importance you can have because history has shown us that courage can be contagious and hope can take on a life of its own. Michelle Obama. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and we have an extra special show in store for you today as I prepare to head to Washington, D.C. for the State of Women Summit. It's a huge honor I am beyond stoked about. We'll be celebrating gender equality and learning ways to cultivate more in our culture and having a pretty badass time. You can follow along. I will be tweeting up a storm with the hashtag State of women. One of my very favorite parts of the work I do are these very things, equality and celebrating it, finding more ways to make it a more empowering climate for all genders and and everyone um, who is underprivileged. In many countries, I'd never be allowed to say half of what I do on this show, right? Or cover the topics I do in my writing. I'd probably be jailed or much worse. One thing that I know for sure is this. No matter where we are in our lives, no matter where we are in the the spectacular world we live in, no matter what the specifics of our stories are, they matter. Our voices matter. And we can all learn so much from one another. A few weeks ago, I had the chance to chat with my good friend, Elle, the author, who you may remember from my episodes on dating abuse and, more recently, her battle with breast cancer. She wrote a beautiful, courageous story about that journey for my book, Embraceable. Since all of this, she learned some pretty daunting news. As usual, Elle brought market honesty, poignance, and I promise you a ton of of hope to our conversation. And definitely listen to the whole thing because she actually added a brief update for you all um, at the end that she just sent me the other day since some time have passed. So pull up a chair. You're going to want to hone in on this one. Well, I'm so privileged to talk to you. I always feel that way. And I was thinking on my way over here about how you and I have celebrated dark times together yes. ever since we met. <laughs> and actually, we met through novels that we'd written about dark times. Right, right. And the, Back the anniversary meeting was recently. It was. Yes. Thank you, Time Hop. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> one of the best things about that. Uh, and we had that wonderful day at that writer's conference. And I remember uh, feeling like, you know, I'm so glad that we're able to look at these things in hindsight. And I love that your attitude is always so beautiful oh, and so positive. And what you're going through now, I just wish that, you know, 
we were talking about it in hindsight. <laughs> and at the same time, I think there's such beauty in, I thought, you know, you're in town, maybe we would get together for a bit. And you brought up the interview, mm-hmm. which I thought was very brave of you. So first, I would love to ask you, why did you decide that now is a good time to chat? Yeah, great question. Um, and for the record, I feel exactly the same way you do. Your energy is so um, energizing. <laughs> I guess that's how those words are, uh, are related. But no, you, um, you've got a vibrancy, and I always love talking to you. So this is a, a huge pleasure for me. Um, it was a very trying weekend uh, for me last weekend and it's been a trying several several weeks I guess in all honesty but it it did feel like it became very somatic and I was now having these physical uh, repercussions um, based on um, you know my the the cancer diagnosis that I'm, I'm sure we'll get more into and I just I know from my writings that sometimes the time when you least want to be vulnerable is sometimes when you can find out the most about yourself if you're in a safe place to do it. Um, and I keep using the term raw. Uh, that is definitely how I've felt. Um, and so, you know, my being in town and you being available and me being in this headspace seems to me to be an opportunity that I would probably be unwise to forego. I'm so grateful. So if you would share with everyone what you're going through now. Last time we spoke, you had gone through chemotherapy mm-hmm. and we talked a bit about that. We talked a little bit about some of the concerns you had about your sexuality, how you felt about your breasts before and after the mastectomy, and things have changed quite a bit. <laughs> yes, yes they have. They changed a couple of cup sizes. Uh, no, but um, yeah, we, you know, I think, gosh, my, my timelines are a bit off. That is, there is a chemo brain, by the way. That is a thing. I hear that. So what that is, is it? That is a thing. It is, I hear it's like pregnancy brain, although I can't speak to pregnancy brain. It is, it is a, a fog. It is looking at people whom you've known your entire life and not finding their names for a minute. It is, sometimes it's a bit of dyslexia. It's, it's you know, I'll be typing and things are just not in the right order and it has dissipated over time to some extent, but it, it is an absolute thing, number one. Uh, so there's a time period that is that falls in where everything was very, very foggy. Um, it's like looking back on, on a memory that's just covered in, in fog and mist. Um, but it, 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 I'm sure, was around the time that you gave me the amazing opportunity to be a, a writer for your book, Embraceable, which I would encourage anybody and everybody to read and digest and love as much as I did. Um, and that uh, essay that I wrote was specifically focused on the fact, in fact, I wrote it the day before going in for my double mastectomy. So it, it was sort of my raw. inner, yeah, talk about raw. And it was my thoughts because I had always liked my chest. I did not want to lose it. Um, you know, cosmetically speaking, I, I, I thought I was in a pretty good spot. And, uh, and being 35, Maybe I turned 36 by then, but but still, I thought too young. Um, and and it, it being such a core to what, how I view sexuality, they I, they had been a huge part of of my sexual history, and um, and I'd always had good experiences in that forum. So a lot going on in my head, and I just kind of sat down and put pen to paper, and um, and came out with something. And and in that, I think I became aware really of how nervous I was about how my sexuality was going to be affected by chemo and all of this treatment and just 
the the mental requirements of of just getting through and and maintaining a relationship and oh I mean it's just it, your brain can go on forever and ever with worry about those things um, so you know you fast forward a year and as I was telling you my my boyfriend has stuck around lovely lovely he's character. amazing I've Thank met you. him since then and you too yeah. oh my gosh just you glow you have such a beautiful chemistry and he seems like just Thank such an you. awesome guy he is thank you I adore him I adore every aspect of him uh, and our relationship is not perfect and it's been through so much but uh, nobody's ever made me happy like he makes me happy and I think that in and of itself has made this whole experience tolerable I can't even my brain won't go to where I might have been mentally and, and otherwise had he not been there so I'm internally uh, grateful to him for that but he uh, he is still around and uh, still putting up with me and we had reached a point where you know sexually I every things really did go back to normal I mean there's some bumps and everything but I you know my fears were largely unfounded um, which is great you know I was kind of worried that I might do the whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing of worrying about it. Therefore, there's oh, a problem. Oh, that is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> right? I've done that my whole life where you're yes. like, it, part of you would be like, if I worry about it, then it can't happen because right. what are the chances? Right. Hey, I just worried about that. Now it's happening. Oh, right. But exactly. Then, what if I make it happen? It's it's impossible. And of course, and then, you know, any, any, any night when you're sitting there going, you know, Oh God, I'm probably not going to come. Oh no, I have to, I should. Okay. Let me focus really hard on this. And then you think of everything under the sun that you haven't done that day. And is there enough food in the fridge? And it's just like, (laughs) "Ah." so I thought for sure, Oh God, I'm worried about this. It's going to be a problem. I'm going to talk myself into a problem, but it it wasn't that bad. So, um, so I can emerge from having gone through, um, a, a fairly significant, series of treatments for breast cancer saying, Hey, you know what? There were some rough moments, but the, the sexuality came back and having somebody, um, you know, whom I adore and I'm extremely attracted to is very helpful. But where I am now is, is again, a new place for me. And that almost a year to the day later, and this was, you know, several weeks ago, the cancer came back, they found it again. In the same place, it's a local recurrence, which, you know, after a double mastectomy, you don't think, you do not assume that will happen. Uh, the doctors didn't assume it will happen. It happens sometimes, but it's it's not as often. And so I, they had to go in and do a re-excision. So it's kind of like a lumpectomy after a mastectomy. Um, and now we're looking at, you know, even more aggressive treatment. And it was, this has all kind of come at a time when I had actually turned to my boyfriend and and told him that I thought we were about to come out of the dark place. And I was so excited and I was feeling like myself and the depression was dissipating and the light was coming in. I could see the colors. And and uh, and so here I am. Here I am now uh, being tested again and, you know, consistently trying to figure out um, or at least solace myself and my fears with what good is supposed to come out of this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'd wondered because you are such an optimistic person who encourages so many other people. So many people rely on you for positivity (laughs) and, and you're, you've still, you've been doing that throughout your entire experience with cancer. You did did that today. I mean, you do that with everyone you meet more than you realize. It was another time hop, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I, and I wondered too, do you get to a space of, of why is this happening as though 
maybe there's some sort of purpose in this? Gosh, that's an excellent question. I have talked about that so much with so many people. Um, you know, I tend, I, I don't subscribe to a religion, but I have a very strong relationship with, you know, God as I view that term to be. And I think everyone should be very comfortable in whatever their scenario is. So it's, um, it's not a topic that's generally up for debate or discussion around me. Um, but it's, uh, but I have a very strong relationship, I think, and I've always been very spiritually guided. Um, and, and so I did, you know, before all of this, I, without a doubt, was certain everything happened for a reason. Unwavering certainty. Um, and, and reasons to believe that, you know, throughout my life. So it, it was just, it was easy for me to say, okay, well, there must be a reason. Even if I don't know it, there is a reason that that happened. I did not have that why me moments when I got cancer. I, you know, why not me? It happens to a lot of people. There's no reason I should have been immune. So I, I didn't have that thought. My immediate thought, though, was, okay, well, my job then, now, the reason I've been given this is to make something good out of it. I don't know what that is yet. I'll figure it Possibly out. Possibly a book was one option, right? Book is before. still an option, but again, chemo brain gives you writer's block. Something different kind of book. <laughs> it'd be a uh, very strange, very strange kind of um, Hunter S. Thompson-esque or something. It could be like, by L. the author and chemo brain. And chemo. <laughs> It would, it would need a, at least a prologue that was like, by the way, you're about to enter some very, some very, yeah, the chemo dome. Um, that's really funny, actually. Uh, I should use that somehow. But I very much, um, you know, have been motivated this whole time to find whatever that positive thing was that was supposed to come out of this whole scenario. And I think as time went on and I, I felt more vacated um, by the chemo, you know, the chemo, you're, you're white knuckling your way through. And let me, let me preface this with, I, you know, I did uh, four rounds. People are doing more rounds. It affects some people more, some people less. And I certainly don't want this to be seen as like a guidepost for how chemo would affect everybody or has affected everybody. Um, but for me, um, the, the chemo that I was on did have physical side effects. Um, a lot of digestion issues, mouth sores, eating became a chore that I just kind of stopped doing, um, unless I absolutely had to. Um, but digestion, bad. They have pills for the nausea, so that was surprisingly not as bad as I had prepared for. Um, but it's cumulative and, and, you know, the lethargy and the, and the, the just chemical flatlining, as I say it, where you just, your mood swings, at least for me, were, were up and down and I just, as time went on, and I, by the time I got to that fourth treatment, I was not the same person. I didn't recognize my reactions to things. I was mad so quick all of the time and insecure about everything. I mean, just everything turned on its, on its head. So the time period after the chemo, when you kind of expect that everything will start to get better, was for me when everything kind of hit the fan, right? It's, it's realizing you are not the same and now you have to do something to try to find your way back to that person that you were. And you're going to have to give yourself time for your levels, you know, hormones to activate the way they are. And whether or not you want to use, you know, other medications you should talk to your doctor about. I didn't for a while and then I did. And, um, and it's got to be, you know, it's, it's personal for everybody, but it, uh, you know, it's very much, um, I think for me, the second round, I have to, I'd like to figure out if I still believe that everything happens for a reason. 
I don't know that I believe that anymore. And that's a fundamental change. Yeah, it's huge. You look at things very differently when you no longer truly believe there was a reason for it. And it makes me falter sometimes and it's weakened me. So I don't like it. But then there's a part of me that thinks maybe now I'm seeing the truth. Uh, I don't know which one it is. I never will. Yeah. Um, but I think this time around, you know, regardless of what the treatment is and the physical side effects and this and that, it's those things. It is, you know, what it does to, yes, your sexuality, but also, you know, your spirituality, your belief in who you are and who you are going to be, who's going to stick around while you go through all of this mm. and who's going to stick around when all of this is over and maybe you're not the same person. Sure. Um, these are the thoughts that, that tend to haunt me now yeah. and didn't the first time. Interesting. I had a friend tell me once this it struck me as very profound that things happen. Sometimes things happen for a reason and sometimes we give reason to what happens to us. That sounds very wise. Which I really like because I too tend to think many things happen for a reason, but some things happen that are so atrocious that you go, you don't, you know, you, you just can't find any reason in it Yeah, for sure. or, or any kind of hope or, or whatnot, but you see how people respond to it and whether they are finding ways to make some positive out of it, you know, if it's mm-hmm. possible. But yeah, that's, that's really interesting. It is. It is. It's a, it's consuming sometimes actually. Um, and it's something that I I get people's input in. I like to hear what they think. I always did anyway, but now I feel like I do hang a little bit more on what people say because I'm sort of re-navigating what I think is true. Um, you know, my, my thought always was, um, that to some extent, and I'm going to try and sort of white label this as much as possible. Um, cause again, I don't think this falls under any particular religious belief. And if it does, it's kind of accidental. Um, but I believe that we kind of choose our battles before we're born, whatever mechanism that is. Um, to some extent, we need to know what we're capable of being, being, Parts. I think all uh, humankind is connected. I think we're all very connected and we do very, very little to, to activate it here on earth. We are more divisive than we are not, um, at least these days, mm-hmm. uh, and in the past from what I've seen. Um, but it's, it's uh, a connectivity that makes us all part of whatever you want to call it. The God, the cloud, the energy cloud, something, something, something large. And, and we have come from that when we are born and we live this life. I, I do think that there is some, uh, some guiding force that we were a part of or, or that we were that made a few choices, not every single choice, but said, you know what? I want this kind of challenge. I need to know how I can deal with this challenge. I, and in a sense, it's to be reminded of the perfection of what I refer to as a soul, that thing that we, that we don't know, I can't measure. Um, I, most people would agree is there, um, whatever term you want to apply to it. But, um, I do absolutely feel that, these choices were made. So I, I wrestle with that a bit too, which is, okay, well, things may or may not happen for a reason. Did I make these choices though? Did I in some way 
need cancer or something like it to be one of my particular battles? And is it because that's one of the battles in life that I could do something good from? Mm. Is, did I know, did I have any foresight on that? Or, or even if it's just, you know, is that one of those things I needed to see how I reacted to before I finished this interesting ride on earth? Um, and so I chose that instead of losing an arm or having five kids or, you know, I, all of which I think can, are, are extremely, um, life-changing, you know, and, 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 uh, it's very, I don't know. It's, um, it's kind of one of those things, like I said, I wrestle with it a good bit. I think the fact that you are so open amid the vulnerability and the unknowns is such a gift to so many people because you've shared so many insights and experiences involved with this whole process I've never even heard before. <laughs> I mean, that's Thanks. amazing. And I understand why, you know, some people are, don't want to talk about it. Sure. For you, it seems to, uh, you seem to grow through sharing and knowing that you're perhaps giving mm -hmm. and that's a beautiful thing. I feel like that alone may have some sort of healing benefit, you know, some sort of therapeutic. Do you feel like your spirituality plays into how your body deals with cancer? That's a great question. Um, and thank you for saying all that. I said to someone recently, probably my boyfriend, something about, you know, wondering sometimes do I overshare, but I bet I've, I've for a long time, I live out loud. I've lived out loud, right? And I was raised in a scenario where that was somewhat uh, looked down upon, um, which isn't surprising. The generation before us, especially in the South, it, a lot of it really was about the facade and you wanted just to not be the gossip of the neighborhood. And I completely understand that. I think we don't really live in that world so much anymore and I never subscribed to it very much. And so I, I don't make choices based on how people will interpret it because I tried that a little in junior high. You know, I moved around a lot and I, I'd moved somewhere. My dad was in the Navy and I'd, I'd, I'd sort of try to become whatever I thought was cool somewhere. And, and you know, by high school, I, it's exhausting. It was exhausting. And I had very little, I remember going shopping with a girlfriend and, and I, I didn't have a taste. I could not tell you that one shirt that I liked or one shirt that I didn't like. I just watched what everybody else picked. And, and it was kind of a, an, a flag, you know, at the age of like 15 or 16 that I have literally zero understanding of what I like because I haven't had time to absorb it. And, uh, and I always just kind of harken back to that. I mean, it wasn't a, a, you know, no huge shift I think happened then, but I think it did begin sort of a slow burn into me saying, uh-uh, no, that's not the point of being here. That's, that's not right. Um, and since then, I just kind of refused to be, you can judge me, I guess, but I refuse to internalize it. You know, I can't stop being judged, um, but I can determine how I react to it. And nobody is, uh, I think, completely um, secure when it comes to what other people's opinions are. I mean, you'd be lying to say that it's not hurtful to hear things that are negative about you. But I, um, I do like to think that if I at least embrace this part of me that does like to think that, that the things I'm saying and writing and doing might be helping somebody somebody not in a place to speak about what they are having problems with, but needed to know that somebody else is having these problems. That means so much more to me than whether or not somebody wants to judge a choice that I made. Yeah. 
I so agree. And I think that those judgments have more to do with that person's own experience. Sure. And sure. unfortunately, that's the thing that we hear the loudest. Mm -hmm. And we may not hear from anybody who is feeling positively influenced yes, by something true. we say or share, or they might you know, whisper something to us where somebody who's blasting at us will put it all over the internet. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. You know? Yeah. And if you read, you know, I, I love Facebook. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not online all of the time and that I don't click on things I probably shouldn't, you know. Um, but man, like, if you just hadn't been in the U.S. for 10 years, and I kind of play this game sometimes, although it's really, it's probably kind of worldwide. But at one point I lived in Egypt and I lived you know, on the outskirts of Cairo, when I really, you know, our internet connection was shoddy and there was very little about what was going on in the world and in the, in the U.S. rather that I knew about. Um, world politics were coming through on their channels, but, you know, at that time, their local Al Jazeera is not showing Kardashian news. You know, I mean, it's just that was not the world. Um, and it's, you know, 10 years ago, what was considered news and, and now there's almost no news it's all it's 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 moments picked and contextualized in a way that makes this short form content so easily digested and shared yes and it's bizarre like it's you know some random person sent a tweet to rihanna and then somebody somewhere who's following rihanna's account takes this Twitter to win the next level and then, and then clickbaits everybody. You'll never guess what happens next. Well, yeah, I can actually probably guess, but five times out of 10, people are going to be clicking on that. Even if they don't care about Rihanna because of the way it's packaged and it's quick and it's so, you know, I have, you know, I, I like Facebook in a lot of ways for what it can do and all the other forms of social media. And I like to consider that it can be a great platform. Um, to do good, but I am really concerned about what we consider news and even what I consider news, even the things that I find myself tempted by. I'd like to think the pendulum will swing at some point. We have got to be, you know, more concerned about things going on in the world than we are about whether or not Kylie Jenner's lip gloss is up to snuff. I just can't be in a world where the next generation is more concerned about that. Have you ever seen the newsroom? The TV show. Great. Yes. <gasps> I love oh, that. I have such a show crush on that show. I wish it had gone on forever. But oh, I know. I loved that because it's all about, it's like the optimism and what news is supposed to be about. Yes. It actually has historical value as far as how our news has changed. It's for mm -hmm. entertainment. It's fiction. But how it has changed, to me, it's like it's turned into a game of like telephone on steroids. You know how like you whisper yes. something to one person to one person? Yes. But then everything is so, as a writer, you know, when we write an article for something, for example, like I write an article for a particular magazine and they take one line out of it that seems a little bit like, wow, and make it the headline. And it, yes. And it was literally a blurb, which I suppose is what the stars have been dealing with for eons Never. when they say, you know, that was taken out of context, mm -hmm. but now the world sees it. We are yeah. all very open and vulnerable to that and, or seeking our attention you know, typing things, following stars' accounts so that maybe somebody somewhere will see that, package it, and it'll go viral, and people will know my name for five minutes, and that is how I get my sense of worth. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is you know, what you what I'm seeing more and more of that, that scares me a good deal. It's sad to me, and I think a lot about, especially young adolescents, teenagers, especially young girls who 
place so much worth in other people's opinions mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. whole like system, you know, cause we go oh, and we check to yes. see who liked and who commented. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to the refrigerator over and over again and you're yes. like waiting for something cool, it's like, <laughs> it reminds me of that. And I just think, you know, I just want to like hold on to them and say, you yes. know what? Yes. <laughs> because I would have put my whole, and you would have too, I'm sure, put your whole diary on the internet oh, man, at 12. Sure. <laughs> if I were 12 over. now, yes, I'd yeah. have a very different opinion. And I, you know, every generation has the, you know, the privilege to lambast the younger one. I mean, it happens all of the time, but there's a, there's a definite fear. I think that, I mean, there, it was very hard to make a, you know, quote unquote minor mistake and have it travel with you into perpetuity for the entire world to see in real time yep. before. Starting with Monica Lewinsky, really. Right. I mean, she Good is incredible. She has this great TED talk about what she went through. I should share a link in the show notes because it's just amazing. It talks a lot about how we will exploit somebody. Yes. You know, so yes. it's it's really, it's really unfortunate. Uh, I'm really struck by you taking this mental health break <laughs> because I think so many people when they're given a diagnosis or they, they learn some difficult news. It's very easy probably to get into a mode of must figure this out and go from thing Mm. to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing. And would you share why you decided, because you really decided fairly last minute, I'm going to take some time for myself. Oh yeah. No, it was quite last minute actually. And thank goodness I have, I work for an excellent company who has afforded me this opportunity, um, with really no backlash. But, um, I, you know, it's kind of, I'm, I'm still kind of surprised I'm here doing it, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. So I don't, I don't have a really good answer, but I guess the um, most authentic answer is I really did reach a point this weekend. Um, and just to, I guess, contextualize that a bit for the audience, I was supposed to start radiation this week and, and I put it off a couple of days so that I could go to Cancer Treatment Center of America in Atlanta more to learn about their integrative health care, the different therapies and modalities that they have available on site. I did not expect um, vastly different interpretations of my diagnosis, which seemed it had already gone through a litany of doctors and seemed fairly cut and dried. You know, there's always a little bit of difference, but and, and so I had made the choice um, to to go to Atlanta alone. Um, after my boyfriend tried to make it, but he couldn't, and then that was fine. But I, I didn't have a backup. I hadn't really planned around it too much because I, I really didn't expect it to be as trying as it was. Um, and it turned out to be the most mentally taxing weekend of my entire life. I was told things that, that have not been debunked. They're now being questioned, but the, the, the progress of my cancer, the state of my cancer, the, uh, the curative nature of my cancer were all thrown into question. And I just sort of over the weekend had to sit in this really dark space with nobody really available and me not wanting to bother anybody about it either. I'm sure some of my friends, I'm sure many of my friends would not have minded me calling, but I, I couldn't even formulate, I didn't even know what I would want to say. You know, it it was just a dark, dark weekend for me. And, and, you know, Monday and Tuesday ran some more tests and I wish I could say they were everything's very conclusive and now we know, but it, it almost, you know, just brought about more questions and answers such as sometimes the nature of cancer. But, you know, come, come about Monday or Tuesday, which I'd already taken off because I was running through the tests. I, I reached out to my boss and I said, you know, until I can eat, sleep, um, function without this level of anxiety, I'm, I can't do anybody any good. You, you guys included. 
I honestly, and I do, I, I, I cherish the job that I have. Um, I love the company that I work with and I, uh, I truly felt for one of the very few times in my life, cause I did work through chemo and I did work through surgery and I, I tried as hard as I could to keep my life normal, but I had reached a point this past weekend where, um, anything could be the breaking point. And that's a very new feeling to me. And so I just said, you know what? Um, no, <laughs> I can't. I, and I think sometimes you have to know when you can't do anything yeah. except remove all potential catalysts for stress. And that's what I had to do. And that, unfortunately, that was work. That was even some family, you know, it stresses me out to hurt my family and tell them news they don't want to hear. So this was, you know, about me coming to what I, were my geographic safe and soft places. And that is the beach of Santa Monica. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Do you feel like your ability to see your priorities so clearly, has that been part of this process or how you said that you just kind of knew you needed to do this? Has this whole experience kind of forced you into a place where things are, well, more clear there's the chemo brain, but some of right. it, but priorities as far as what, what matters. Actually, no, <laughs> not at all. In yeah. fact, I think that is more of a jumble puzzle than ever. This was I, more of instinctual fight or flight. I mean, I'm, I, I, not to be dramatic. I really, I try not to be overly dramatic when it comes to something like cancer or anything, you know, unless I'm writing a book that's supposed to be dramatic, but, um, no, this, this truly was a, a survival a sanity, a me needing to just stop shaking. Me, it, it, yeah, it, it, it was very um, just carnally self-preservation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think everything else, though, and certainly my boyfriend can attest to this. I have very little clarity on. I and I continue to have very little clarity on. You know, there are times when I'm so proud of the fact that I've able I've been able to hold down this job and I bought this condo and I have this great relationship and, and deal with this chemo or this cancer issue and the chemo treatments and everything. And, and I do feel a little bit like a, you know, like a soldier, a yeah. soldier in a battle that is overtaking a lot of women and is, is, is needs to stop. Cancer needs to go away. Um, and we need to do everything we can as a society to find the cure um, and so, you know, any little bit that I can do that gives me strength and it gives me fortitude and that's great. And that does seem like a purpose, but you know, I can be a nightmare to live with. You know, I, there are times when I don't want my boyfriend to have to deal with anything that I'm going through. I'm mad already. I'm mad that I have to go through it. And so I'll push him away. Mm. So, and in my mind, I think I'm doing something good, but he doesn't want me to push him away. And of course the great irony is you push someone away and huh they're going to go away. Like that's how it goes, you know? And so I, I try to check in when I can after these moments and say, look, I, I understand that there's a finite amount of times that I can say something to you, like you should go where you're not going to start to maybe think that that's true, you know? And I try to tell him in these moments that uh, it's my fear. I'm not used to needing someone. I've always dealt with everything by myself. He is the first time I've allowed myself to need somebody. Um, to me, it's the only, it's love does have to love a romantic lasting love. There has to be a, some sense of need, not that you need them to 
be yourself. That's codependency. But you do need something from them to be your best self in the same way that they need something from you. That is the attraction, mm -hmm. that together you're better. And so they do feed you in some way, you know. So I don't think needing someone is always a bad thing, although I was trained to think that, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and so for me to, 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 to learn to say to him, I need you and I need to stop pushing you away has been huge um, for me. But, yeah, no, clarity is a daily battle. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. I love what you said about love and relationships within that space. That's so huge. And it sounds like with the ups and downs and the whole roller coaster, you do have these heart to hearts with him and you do prioritize communication. I do. I, I try. That is fair. And I'm a, and I'm a woman and I'm vocal. And I think, you know, from day one, he's like, wow, you communicate a lot, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to communicate all the time like this? You know, and he'd rather just sort of not communicate so much. That is so funny. He doesn't feel the need to hash every single moment out. And, you know, <laughs> there's, there may be some some gender role play in that. And, and it's also just kind of the way he and I were. And I think it's part of the opposite to track thing. Like, I like... The fact that he calms me sometimes when my brain starts going out of hand and he's just kind of like, eh, mm -hmm. you're overdoing it. But at the same time, there are times I think he wants to, he wants to go a little easy and I try to push him to yeah. do more and be more because I know he can be. It's yeah. just a matter of, you know, of, of taking potential energy and making it kinetic. And sure. that's just, you know, it's like flexing a muscle. You got to get used to it. And, um, and so I, I like to think that maybe that's what I'm giving to him when he's providing me with some level of sanity. I, yeah, I can't imagine it, it working out to not communicate your yeah. thoughts as a friend. Yeah. And our close ones, we tend to know them and their comfort levels with mm -hmm. many things. Right. And if we don't, then, you know, asking questions is always great. Yeah. Have yeah. you had, I just thought of when I was diagnosed with anorexia and first nobody knew about it. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of broke out because a medical bill went to my parents' house. Oh, goodness. So all of a sudden, everyone knew, and I was, like, hiding away because that was a time and a space where now I'm very open about it, talk all the time about it, but then I could not, did not want to, wanted mm -hmm. to hide under a rock. And I had a relative, an extended relative, who had called me and said, hey, I went through that too. And I didn't know it that she had. Oh, wow. But it was such a turning point for me just to know that somebody else understood what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, have you connected with other women who yes. are going through breast cancer? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have told everybody um, under the sun that if you, you know, if you need me, and I'll tell you this, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in a pay it forward scenario. There's a, a few key women who I was introduced to at first. I think there's a period where you want, you have to kind of sort of ingest the information and for some for some women that's that it kind of stops there and, and they still never really want to talk about it. For me, that was a fairly short time, and then it was like, okay, I've got questions. I need to know who else is going through this. I, you know, textbooks are cold. You can get some good information, but like, hey, have you had an orgasm since chemo? I can't find that in this handbook they gave me. You know, um, how do you feel as a woman? You know, like I needed to talk to people. When did this? Did you normalize? You know, I mean, I had, I had those questions. You're not supposed to ask, I guess, but damned if I'm not going to. And so I had some friends who, who put me in touch and there's, there's two or three girls. One, one who is just, I've yet to meet her in person, but we have a great Facebook relationship and 
she is fantastic. I take a lot of cues from her. And so once I kind of got into, okay, I can talk about this, in, you know, not just as, you know, God, I'm a veteran status now, you know, so much I've been through, but that I can do it in a way where I'm speaking about my experience and I think I, I can do it without, you know, either freaking someone out or misguiding. I didn't want to, I wanted to, you know, not make myself terribly available when it comes to people saying, well, what's it like? if I'm on round one of chemo, I don't know. I mean, I'll check in with you, but I'm not going to sit there and tell you, I know what chemo is like after one round because you don't, it's very cumulative and every chemo is, and everything's different anyway. Um, but I, I needed to, some time to be able to answer questions in a way that I thought would be at least helpful and truthful. Um, but since then, yeah, I've actually had two, two people recently reach out to young women who, who had uh, friends put them in touch. And I, you know, I love to help people. The whole reason I wrote The Fall was to reach it's out. It's a brilliant, beautiful book, by the Thank way. You. It's poetry. I've never read a book like it. Thank you so much. Oh, gosh, my heart just exploded. Um, I know. I, I, I loved writing that book. Um, I look forward to writing another one. And, and, and I'd be surprised if cancer is not a running theme in it in some form or facet because my abusive relationship was in my first book and you write what you know. At least I certainly do. You certainly do too. Um, so I, I wrote that book for me. I published that book for everybody else. I wanted it to be a tool for change. I like to think that going through this cancer when it's all said and done, I and or my writings and or my voice however that's encapsulated, becomes a tool for change. It is something that people can have to respond to and to um, inform themselves of how cancer does not have to be so such a denigrating and diminishing force, even though it feels like it. There's no way around it feeling like it. I'm, I'm hoping very much that when this is all said and done, it's not so much what my outcome ends up being. It's that I have a perspective on it that I have seen so many other women whom I try to emulate um, adopt, which is you may be cured of cancer. You may live with cancer. You may die from cancer, but you, you are still going to decide how you live and die just as much as you ever did. So... Don't be defeated by it just because you have this new term and it doesn't assign a new sense of self to you. Um, so hopefully that's, that's, that's my goal. Elle, I cannot thank you enough again for that chat and for all you bring to the world. You are magical. And I was so inspired and remain so inspired by you. I know that your writing and your voice are tools for change. And I am just so proud to know you and to share with our audience once again. Now for y'all, here is a more recent update that Elle shared just the other night. Hello, Miss August. I want to send you another huge thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I thought I would send you a little update since it's been several weeks now and, and very eventful. On the health front, all good news. Um, Cancer for the third time is gone, and radiation actually starts tomorrow. Uh, so we've got six weeks of that every day that my boyfriend and I are going to be 
handling. And, uh, and then after that, we will be dealing with uh, a little bit of treatment that continues, but is nothing close to what I went through with chemotherapy. Um, and on the writing front, it's, uh, it's all been very inspirational the past several months. I've been able to travel, went to Tampa, New York, um, a couple places through North Carolina and sort of found my, um, my cure to the writer's block, I think. Um, and on the relationship fronts, my boyfriend is watching me recording this <laughs> right now. And we just stuffed ourselves with pizza and, uh, are debating whether or not better a movie makes the most sense. So the party animals can't be held down. <laughs> Um, but you know, to wrap everything up, I, I am continuously inspired by what you're doing and the message of empowerment you're sending your book embraceable. I've suggested to many people and, and have continued to look to myself, uh, on the days that I need just a little extra thank you or a little extra perspective. So I look forward to our ability to talk again soon. And in the meantime, keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so much for letting me be a part of it. Yay! I'm so excited to hear that, Elle. We are all so, so happy for you and your good news and are cheering for you as you go through the rest of your treatment. I love hearing you enjoying life and just the vibrancy and hope. And it does look indeed like we are going to be celebrating your journey with cancer past tense. So, yay! Please go check out Elle's website, ellthaauthor.com. You can also find her at ellthaauthor on Facebook and Twitter. In honor of Elle and her lovely insight that she shared, I asked Dr. Megan to weigh in on ways to stay connected with a partner when we're facing the unknown, such as a cancer diagnosis or really any difficult time. August, I think that um, this is a general question and a really important question because although it's not specific, uh, we all in life are faced with um, unknowns. And that could be the stability of a job. It could be a health crisis or situation, um, an aging parent. And I think it's so important that we recognize the role of anxiety when we're facing unknowns, because what is the one thing that anxiety wants? It wants certainty and comfort. And I think it's so hard in our human experience to recognize that that's the one thing that none of us can guarantee. And importantly, when we're facing a big unknown, health status, financial security, relationship security, when you are with your partner in it together, uh, that although it doesn't obviously resolve the issue or the situation at hand, it does certainly undo that sense of aloneness, just the sense of feeling like we're sitting with, uh, facing, uh, sort of experiencing the myriad of emotions that come up, but together in and of itself, in my experience, working with couples uh, for the past 15 years makes a huge and significant difference. And the other real big pointer and tip I want to give here is, uh, and it comes sort of from a line in a poem my daughter wrote, which is, keep your eye toward the end of the tunnel where the light opens up once more. 
you know, we're so often focused on the fear, the anxiety, the worst case scenario that we're not even allowing ourselves. I, the expression I use is roll the camera forward, but not just to facing the crisis uh, or the uncertainty, but to when it's resolved and what is sort of that growth edge or the silver lining in the experience. Um, because I do believe that every experience has a lesson for us to learn in it. And um, I also know that what we focus on expands and what we ris- resist persists. So it's really important to recognize that we can get really caught up in the, oh my God, what if, scenario. But the reality is I don't know and you don't know until you're in it. And the thing we do know is that you have yourself, your partner, uh, your intellect, uh, even Google, right? <laughs> to really do the research, to figure out what are the resources, what do we, what is it we need when we actually have the data, the information. Um, and so it's so important that we face any conflict uh, concern or crisis with that sense of hope and faith of, again, a vision, where, where can we go? What can this teach us? What's it going to be like when we get out of the tunnel and on the other side? Um, it's important both to recognize uh, all the feelings that are there and not to deny them. You know, all feelings are like a wave, they crest. If they're not sort of made bigger by the kindling of our thoughts. And so again, acknowledge what you're feeling, undo the aloneness of it and keep a strong vision of where you want to go and what's going to happen next. Such wonderful insight. Thank you, Dr. Megan. I'm really inspired by that. Check out her website at greatlifegreatsex.com for sure. I loved what Megan said about undoing the aloneness. I think that's so important because when we keep our struggles bottled up inside, it is, it festers, you know, they become overwhelming and it's more painful and feeling alone can make everything so much more difficult. And if you don't have a partner, her insight really applies to any relationship. So close friends, loved ones, family, you know, talking to a therapist, all these things are so, so important. So whether you're in a sunny time or a dark time, I hope that you will be able to really reach out to people and connect with others and know that when you are in those really difficult spots, you are not as alone as you feel. Lastly, special thanks to our very special product sponsor for today, The Pleasure Chest. They've helped pioneer sex-positive culture since the early 70s with a focus on education, enjoyment, and inclusivity. So fantastic. I can't say enough good about them. Find them by visiting their website, which is thepleasurechest.com, or you can find the ad. Just click it at augustmclaughlin.com. For more Girl Boner fun, please visit my website, augustmclaughlin.com, where you can sign up for email updates. I hope you'll also subscribe to Girl Boner Radio on iTunes and leave us a reading and review. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.